Hello and welcome back after a long break to the Partial Historians. Please join me on this journey as we trace the history of Rome from the founding of the city. And as my co-pilot, I have a ravishing creature to my right. My thing. <laughs> yes, I'm back. Yeah, I've returned ah. from many adventures. <laughs> yeah, um, just in time since we. I think a podcast is overdue. Definitely, really. yes, yes. It was rather hard to do there with Dr. G traveling internationally like the woman of mystery that she is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was tough hanging out in Rome. Checking out ruins. Exactly. So we're going to have a special episode next episode where we talk to Dr. G about her travels and experiences in Italy. Mm. But for now, we are going to return to the life story of Coriolanus. Oh, yeah. We're mm. right in the middle of something big here, I think. We kind of are, yeah. His, his whole life story is really building to a climax. <laughs> oh, in the, way, in the way that men's lives generally build a climax. Uh, yes, I'm, I believe so. But where exactly were we? At the end of our last episode. Well, see, our last episode, we kind of did a bit of a tidy up and we sort of looked at the sources that we're dealing with with Coriolanus. Um, but the episode before that, we were talking, yeah, we were talking about this particular instance where, uh, about the city of Velitrae, or the town of Velitrae, I should perhaps say, um, where basically we've got some conflicting accounts about what is going on in this city. All right, according to my account in Livy, for example, um, the Volsci were ready to attack Rome, as they often are, <laughs> because Rome was at a bit of a low point, what with all the conflict of the orders and <laughs> famine and whatnot. Um, but plague strikes them, okay, and so they can't attack. Um, and in the meantime, the Romans decide to um, sort of have a bit of a buffer zone set up between them and their enemies by founding a new settlement at Velitrae. How convenient. Indeed, yes. There is a slightly more extended version. I think you also had a version in Dionysius that talked about this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah so the the sort of the conflict between like whether this was like an active settlement where you know the, they're like, please, like bring the people. Yes. Um, exactly. or whether it was yeah. a forced situation where Rome's like, So we've got some people and yeah. we've noticed that uh, <laughs> since we've crushed your town, yes. you've got space for them. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like in Plutarch, because um, Plutarch does the biography of Coriolanus, he talks about this in a little bit more detail than Livy does. And he basically talks about how um, after after all the war that's been going on, there is very little food happening in Rome. And as a result, um, they can't, they, they're finding it difficult to import things because they've been busy with other matters. There's no food around. Even if food were available, people are too broke to buy it. Um, I mean, Plutarch actually records that there's like an accusation out there that the rich have actually organized a famine on purpose. So they're trying <laughs> to bring the plebs to their knees. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this is when Velitrae comes along and asks, <laughs> asks for Roman colonists saying that their population has been so decimated by plague. Like, 9 out of 10 people, I think, dying is where we settled on last Look, time. guys, yeah, we're farming our own land still, unlike uh, over there, where yeah. you're living. Yeah, and so the Romans... take some of those people. Yeah, the Romans sort of debate about, you know, well, what are we going to do? Should we do this? Should we not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the sensible Romans are, of course, in favour of this, because the having a new colony would ease the, you know, the demand for food, and also allow them to get rid of the troublesome element, <laughs> as in the conflict of the orders type situation. Rounding <laughs> up all of the most naughty plebs they can find, and the people from the countryside, and basically like, all right, it's going to be like the Great Escape. All of our rotten eggs are going to be in one box. Pretty basket. much, yeah. Well, like the consuls basically select out the troublemakers, and are like, right, you guys get to go and found another <laughs> 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 Guess what? You've been drawn out of the lottery system. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we were up to last time, I believe. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the points of note here is that Plutarch's life of Coriolanus, more so than any of his other lives, yes. really does seem to follow Dionysius of Halicarnassus really mm. quite closely. Mm. So reading Plutarch is a bit of a mirror. If you like, yeah, yeah. yeah. In terms well, good because like... I haven't read Dionysus. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it's a hefty task and one that uh, takes me quite some time. Um, but yes, this idea of the famine situation and the growing um, sense of panic and chaos and and obviously um, uh, shock that's associated with some of these kind of events yeah. is actually going to play directly into the politics that follows, and yes. Coriolanus is going to be right in the middle yeah. of that situation. Yeah, I mean, see, in Plutarch's account, I don't know if this matches up with Dionysius's, but um, basically whilst all this sort of debate is going about what they're going to do with the colony and that sort of thing, um, there is a war <laughs> with, the, with the Volskians. You know. Yeah, they decide they're going to keep uh-huh. the troublemakers busy by sort of bringing on a war with the Volskians, because who else would you fight with? Um, and so that that reluctantly sort of brings, a, a, you know, a sort of temporary unity back between the rich and poor. I mean... It's almost, I feel like a little bit of a broken record, I must admit, <laughs> with this whole conflict of the orders thing, because yeah. war is often the thing that binds them together, you know, in their mutual time of need. <laughs> yeah, but it's also not a cheap exercise. Yeah. I mean, you still have to feed people, and if people are walking around in a standing army, they're not farming. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. um, so just, you might really be just a lane. Yeah, <laughs> saving some of your problems for later, yeah. uh, if you like, with the hope that maybe in the meantime you'll conquer somewhere that has farmland. Um, I would say it's a band-aid solution, but the Romans wouldn't understand that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to find a new analogy for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's kind of always coming back to these sorts of same points with this conflict of the orders. Well, this is well, like I mean, we've been saying this all along. Yeah. but this is a very hazy period period yeah. of history. True. And and one of the things that's really clear from that is that nobody's quite sure how anything works. Yeah. Um, and the order of events is open for debate. Yeah, I, I mean, I have say to say, well. reading Livy and Plutarch this week, I found it very hard to sort of sometimes match up certain parts of the account. And I admit, listeners, I haven't perhaps done as much research as I'd like to have. But yeah, there's some real... There's just some real disconnect, I think, sometimes between the accounts. I, I can't really mm. figure out where chronologically something's meant to be happening sometimes. Yeah, It yeah. just doesn't seem to match up. So nailing down these sort of things will give you a narrative. Sure, Don't you yeah. worry, <laughs> listeners. You will receive some chronology. <laughs> We're not going to have any claims to accuracy on what actually may have occurred at this point. I suppose, actually, this is a good point to flag what date we're kind of dealing with here. Mm. Listeners, this is exciting. It seems that we might be entering the 480s BC. We've moved into a whole new decade. <laughs> We've inched our way. <laughs> so, we will complete this project before we die. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, so we're sort of doing, sort of, okay, roughly speaking, I would say we are dealing with like maybe 49 ish. But that's a you know, massive that, guess. That is that is still into the next no, decade. No, 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 I just mean it's not like late 480s. No, no, yeah, no. yeah. Early 40s, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, well you know. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Um, so, anywho, uh, the thing I've got in Livy, which follows on from this whole Velitre thing, is this um, the, the Romans have managed to get their hands on some corn from Sicily to try and alleviate the famine. Okay? Mm-hmm. However, there is a debate about the price of this corn. 
Okay, with many in the Senate thinking... Are the Sicilians not, like, naming their prize? No, 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 no. <laughs> I think they bought the corn. The corn. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Yes, the corn? Yes, yes, the corn. corn has been purchased. The corn has been purchased, mm-hmm. but instead of just giving it out to the starving people, <laughs> the Roman Senate are like, well, maybe we should talk about this. What, what price are we going to set this at? I mean, there is a famine going on, whatnot. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay, so limited supplies of grain... Need demand versus supply. Okay, yeah, exactly, what is yeah. what are we going to set the sale price at? Well, see, and this is where this this is where it sounds kind of despicable on behalf of this the is, Senate. This is where it sounds horrific. Yeah, to yeah. Be honest. Um, because basically, some in the Senate, in fact, Livy, I think, goes so far as to say many, um, believe that they can exploit this situation to get back some of the rights that the plebs have won. You know, like the whole tribune, I presume, is what they're referring to. That would be the major one. Because there aren't many. (laughs) I can't choose from a lot here. Um, So, yeah, they're basically saying, we could exploit this. You know, they want the grain. So maybe we can sort of, you know, hold it ransom in a sense. Um, And until they've agreed to our conditions, no grain, (laughs) no corn. Um, And Coriolanus is mentioned as being particularly against the power of the tribunes. Yeah. So he would be on behalf of what looks like, to me, the despicable party. (laughs) Yeah. To me, this represents a really fascinating moment because the patricians and the plebs in this particular instance of conflict appear to be almost separate peoples. It is weird, isn't it? It's like the patricians are like, no, we are going to ground you down as far as we can in order to yield how many of you die in the process. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We do not care how many of you die in the process. And I think to myself, this is not a cohesive society at all. This is not even a two-tier system where the patricians represent some sort of legacy and the plebeians are this other group of people. This is like two different sets of people who live in the same region and one of them is like we want to dominate you as much as we can yeah and i mean there's even these suggestions like we've talked before about how we don't really know exactly how did you become a patrician a patrician sorry how did you become a plebeian yeah the but, definitions are really hazy yeah but the other thing is i mean i've even heard some historians suggest that there is yet another sector of society that you know that aren't the plebeians mm. um you know that we're not really hearing from either in this in this period that you know it's not just patricians plebeians like we often think i suppose as plebeians as being everybody who's not patrician <laughs> that's the case yeah well um, there, there are some assertions that perhaps that we've got a third priestly class mm, which is distinct and separate again yeah which may be drawing from patricians or plebeians depending on the nature of the ritual required sure yeah so uh, the complexities <laughs> just keep growing, don't they? And this is just it. Like, you know, you, as I say, this whole conflict of the order of things is, is just hard to understand without knowing exactly what. Yes, and particularly know. given that, like, we talk about it as, like, the struggle of the orders or the conflict of the orders, and that in itself is kind of a reductive way yes. of suggesting that perhaps we have some sort of cohesive hierarchical society on our hands but maybe we don't maybe we have chaos and maybe we have distinct ethnic groups and some of them are trying to wipe each other out yeah well i mean this is the thing i mean again we always have to sort of keep in mind just how small scale rome is at this point in time <laughs> there's like it, 50 people guys yeah. like maximum <laughs> really 50 people scale. well it's just it is one of those things though that you know it it sounds like such important and it is the moral issues in this debate are they, they sound so lofty they sound so mm. epic you know um, but at the same time, we do have to remember that we're probably dealing with a fairly small population at this point in time. And so, yeah, it, it could very well be that, you know, it's exactly as you say. I mean, 
it's it's not like it's empire wide through many territories through continents you know it's just Rome <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the small amount of territory that it's managed to you know accrue over that time but yeah anywho <laughs> bringing that, this back to yeah. Coriolanus yes um the man of the moment um I've entitled his speech as I've gone through and highlighted it Coriolanus against the people nice <laughs> <laughs> Because um, he basically gets up, and we've got this period of famine and crisis, mm. and he's kind of he is so angry that the plebeians have attempted to represent themselves and gain some political leverage. I know it's, it's quite um, crazy. Yeah. It's almost like it's personal for him. Yeah. He's so angry about this. I guess it is given his tradition, <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't want to give them any quarter whatsoever. No, no. Um, he's like they should be happy, and he's like because now we are under a tyranny of them. Yeah, well, they actually, are now terrorizing yeah, us. That's exactly the kind of. I mean, Livy's obviously less detailed. He always seems to be, but that's exactly. He sort of likens um, the whole situation to the Tarquins. Mm. He's like, you know, I didn't endure that, yeah. uh, so why should I endure this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not putting up with that from one man, and I'm certainly not putting it up with it from the whole group. Yeah, of well, you. he specifically likens. I mean, one of the the sort of leaders of the plebeians at this point in time is a guy called um, Sicinius. Um, and he basically likens the whole. He's, he's like he basically says, "Shall I, who could not endure Tarquinius on the throne, endure Sicinius?" Mm. Um, sorry, continue with you. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Well, this is this is exactly where he's heading. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he basically says like these plebeians have asked for tri- for tribunician power. Yeah, and and it was given to them not so that they could injure the senate, mm. but so that they could secure for themselves certain powers and like rights and obligations yeah. within a framework. And he's like, but what they have done since they've got it yeah. is use it to injure the Senate. I kind of argue that food is pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it's interesting because he's conflating what appears to be the recognition of tribunition power for the plebs yeah. with them also gaining the capacity to injure the Senate through acquiring that power. Yeah. When the tribunician power was the thing that they sought and negotiated for because they were so dissatisfied totally, and they were refusing yeah. to do anything more for the patricians. Yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would dare say with cause. Yeah. <laughs> and so he sees this as grounds for the plebeians actually embarking on what is going to be a destruction of government. Mm. He's like, they, they actually want a takedown of the whole Senate. This yeah. is their foothold in the door and we cannot let them go any further. Yeah, and see, that, that just, I, I mean, as, as we can say, because we're clearly not on Coriolanus' side here, it's unreasonable if what we've got in the sources is true because see, Plutarch goes into a lot more detail about this whole debate about the colony. Mm. And he talks about how the popular leaders, so the people sort of representing the plebs, Sicinius and Brutus, um, basically say that this whole idea of sending out troublemakers to a colony is, you know, once again showing the blatant disregard that the patricians have for the well-being of the plebs because not only are they, you know, sending them out to this settlement against their will, I mean, because basically they're told to go or they'll be punished harshly, you know, really, really harshly. Um, but they're essentially also, he's, they're saying, being put at risk because this is a plague, you know, this is a plague situation. So by sending them out, he's like, you clearly have no regard for their well-being. You're sending them to a place where, you know, there's been this horrible, horrible plague and you don't seem to care that they might get sick, that they might die, that they might be wiped out. You've also orchestrated a war. You've also orchestrated a famine. And it's not that I necessarily believe that the rich orchestrated a famine, but the war... 
maybe. <laughs> the war, definitely. Yeah. Because yeah. the Senate gets to decide on war. Yeah. Um, but certainly this idea that sending out these people um, to a situation which is dangerous for their well-being on every level yeah. um, seems to me, strikes me, and this might be ungenerous of me, Coriolanus, yeah. um, but I'm guessing it's not. It's precisely for those reasons that somebody like Coriolanus would be interested in sending them there because they're kind of hoping they will die. Yeah, and I mean, that's just it. Like, in, in Plutarch, you know, basically the people are saying, look, we're not going to do this. We're not going out to this colony. Hmm. Um, and we also refuse to enlist to serve this in this war mm. um, because this is just, once again, you know, serving you. Um, and as I said, this is Plutarch's version of things. And the Senate is, you know, really perplexed, um, don't really know what to do. And Coriolanus, of course, comes to the fore being really arrogant about it, takes the lead. The elite really admire him for his stance on things. And, and the colony basically ends up being dispatched um, because of this situation of, look, we're going to choose you by a lot and you go, otherwise you stay and get brutally punished. And the people who are refusing to fight, well, Coriolanus in Plutarch's account says, you know what, I'm just going to use whoever will volunteer and my clients and I will lead an attack. Um, and he does, he basically does, and he secures corn, cattle and captives. Um, and, of course, this is, the, this is the thing with Coriolanus. The kind of virtue that he has means that he doesn't take any of this for himself. It's all divided up against his followers and then the people, seeing what he's managed to secure, um, are really jealous of you know all the spoils they've got, filled with regret that they didn't, you know, enlist. Of course, of course, the patrician knows best, um, and they resent Coriolanus, um, and they start to see his power as a threat to them um, because of this whole affair, which is kind of putting the blame on them a little bit. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's complicated, but Coriolanus occupies what is pretty clearly a highly traditional conservative position. Totally. One change. Wants to be in he's charge. He's almost a Claudian. Oh, <laughs> you know. He's, he's, he's taken over from Appius Claudius with and, his... <laughs> and he's willing to embark on really harsh measures in order yeah. to obtain what he wants. Well, yeah, it's um, brutal. His attitude is just yeah. ruthless. Yeah. So, like, in terms of these provisions, he's like, with the corn, he's like, look, keep it under guard yeah. and keep the price high. Mm. And he's like, because the plebeians need to know that they brought this on themselves. By not farming the land. Parenting. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! I think we'll have to start a new podcast for that one. Sorry. All jokes aside. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He basically puts it back onto the plebeians. He was like, they must understand that if they don't farm the land, they don't have food. Yep. And if they don't have food, then they have to buy it from us. And if they have to buy it from us, we set the price. And this is where you can see that real divide: the fact that the patricians don't seem to be affected by this famine presumably i suppose because they have enough wealth to buy what they need but well also yeah. they're also in charge of the purchase of the grain supply exactly, so like yeah, you know yeah. like they're running the store totally so yeah, yeah. you know guess They've who's not hungry <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is so yeah it's just so wrong i, I just i it, can't imagine taking that sort of a stance yeah i i don't see how it's a long-term strategy no because rome at some point still needs its own land totally that it farms itself it can't always be buying grain not no. everybody there is rich and if you keep buying stuff but you're not producing things 
that's going to be an issue. Well, for you exactly. Down the track. I mean, they can own all the land they want, but <laughs> <laughs> to what end? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If nothing's happening on that land, what's the point? So yeah. Yeah. So mm. this uh, Coriolanus says, "Speech against the people." Well, that yeah. doesn't go so well. <laughs> so he gets up and does this thing, and like everybody's completely divided by it. Yeah. Um, obviously, some of the really hardcore patricians are like, "Yes, saying the things, speaking it like it is." <laughs> You're things. such a Donald Trump right now. <laughs> yeah. um, That's right. And and on the other I'll hand, make Rome great again. Yeah. I will build that wall. <laughs> I will. And we'll build it with the corn That's right. that we purchased from Sicily. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, and it is the best corn, I can tell you. Anyway, yeah. I could go on. Yeah. Never mind. Um, so there's a whole bunch of patricians who are like, yes, finally, somebody's <laughs> right on, speaking the stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then a whole bunch of other patricians um, who are like, no, we need to be more humane about yeah. this. Like, this is about the Roman populace. Yes. Um, and we need to be thinking more long term. Yeah. And it's like, it's not going to, violence here is not the, the real answer. We yeah. need to think about. We've already we... tried that a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how we got to this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but maybe kindness and reasonableness and giving some people some food to eat yeah. might be part of a good strategy here. I, I think the Romans actually would have benefited from being familiar with a certain word that sprung up in our culture hangry. <laughs> you're not going to get anywhere when the plebeians are hangry. Yeah, you, you know you're not yourself when you're hangry. <laughs> That's right. So you know, the plebeians, well, to make things worse, like yes. because we now have this position of tribune of the plebs, yes. guess who also is listening to this speech? Yeah, I can guess. <laughs> the tribunes are not happy campers here. No, no. They are calling him out. They're saying he's a pest. He's a bane of the state. Um, he's malicious <laughs> against the population. I take and that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And the patricians need to stand up to him yeah. and introduce some sort of civil war against this guy yeah. in order to punish him because he needs to be banished, he needs to be killed because he's going to kill everybody if he keeps on this path. That's a slightly more extreme version of what I have in me, <laughs> which is that, as, as you said, that basically um, Coriolanus's position about let's just hold on to this grain until they give way about this whole tribune position and then we'll be happy um it, he does say that the senators think really maybe it is a little too harsh and the plebeians once they find out are absolutely furious with him there's no big speech or anything but you can get the gist um and that basically they want it's almost basically inciting them to war as you yep. said like they just want to lay hands on him and tear him apart yeah um, yeah and, and in Livy's account it's at this point that the the tribunes actually stop the plebeians from sort of acting violently right then and there and basically say, let's call a trial instead. So, I mean, this is obviously typical Livy. It's very truncated version of events. But, yeah, that's... Ah, yeah. see, yeah, no, I've got some more details. Wait for it. No, no, that's this good, is just yeah. getting started. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the tribunes have, have come out and they're like, no this, no that. We've got to take him down. It's war. We've got to banish him. We've got to kill him. Like, yeah. make it happen now. Yeah. That's their kind of response sure, yeah. in the public forum to this. Uh, moment, yeah. And Coriolanus turns to them. He's like, "You're a whole bunch of demagogues. I don't care anything about you. <laughs> but if you keep going, this is going to be about actions, not words." Ooh, ooh, ooh! ooh. <laughs> Put your money where your mouth yeah. is. Oh, you don't have any. <laughs> he was like, "Wait a minute! I reckon I can take them down if it comes to combat." Yeah. Um, so this leads to um, some real issues. Um, the Senate obviously is now, you know. Completely in tumult. Yeah, um, yeah, the yeah. tribunes are angry. The senators are angry. Coriolanus is angry. 
Um, yeah, see, I don't know if you have this as well, but Plutarch actually gives another reason um, that Livy doesn't really go into for Coriolanus's anger, and that's his um, his lost election for the position of consulship. Is that yes, is yes? That, is that is that yeah. what you're about to? Yeah, because yeah. it has been blocked, and yeah. the tribunes apparently were part of the cabal that right. that ensured that it was blocked. Yeah. So he's particularly Pitty. against the tribunes. Yeah, because like, that's just it. He, he basically feel. I think you know, being Coriolanus, why wouldn't you? He's yeah. fairly confident about his his um, chances was, yeah, in, yeah. in the election, and um, Plutarch. Yeah. Plutarch loves to point out that this is before the day of buying votes. <laughs> <laughs> so it actually meant something then. Um, um, yeah, basically he's gone in, you know, and he's he's shown his. Scars from his, you know, battles, which is always, you know, you know, and and it's not like he doesn't have things to be proud of. Absolutely, he's he's done things. He's won a civic crown, you know, and it's like he is well known for his exploits. Yeah, and that's it. The people actually do seem to be a little bit torn about the decision themselves. Yeah, because he's just so Roman. Yeah, represents all the Roman values that they're like, oh, you know. Yeah, and they, they they seem to kind of feel a bit bad that they're not you know, 100% for him. But then the thing is, in, in Plutarch's account anyway, he sort of brings it on himself in their <laughs> eyes in that on the day of the election, he turns up with like this massive entourage of patricians and the plebeians are like, oh, well, screw you, buddy. <laughs> They're like, eh, you could be slightly less arrogant. Yeah, and then that's what that's what makes Coriolanus so upset and, as you say, like the Senate's insulted on his behalf. And, and this is where in Plutarch's account... Um, you know, because he's writing biography here, obviously, so he likes to go into this sort of thing. This is where Coriolanus gives into the sort of darker side of his nature. <laughs> he turns to the dark side, like Anakin Skywalker before him, <laughs> and, yeah, and basically yeah. gives into his passionate, angry, bitter <laughs> feelings. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He is now an angry man, and he's not afraid. Who knows it? Yeah. Um, and as a consequence of this sort of like this sort of eruption mm. amongst. Um, the patricians and the tribunes and Coriolanus's speech. Yeah. Um, people start rushing out into the public and calling for an assembly of the people. Mm. Um, so the Senate starts to acquaint the people yep. in a more public sense with what has happened. Mm. Um, and Marcus, uh, Marcus comes out and so Coriolanus, um, and you know, is asked to like sort of state his position and he just doesn't yield anything. Yeah. He's like, this is what it is. Yeah. And this is what it needs to be. Yeah. Um, the tribunes at that point get really, really mad. Um, and they order the Aediles to go and arrest him. Mm. And this is really interesting because we don't tend to think of the Aediles. We think of them much later, but as we've talked about earlier, they are intimately connected with the Tribunes at this point in their That's history. True. Yeah, exactly. They sort of emerge out as this helping hand of the Tribunes. Yeah. Um, so the Aediles start going after him, and he's like, I'm not going with you anywhere. You're going to be <laughs> kidding me. Yeah. Oh, haven't I made my point clear? You guys have got nothing on me. Um, they're annoyed. And the patricians are looking at this thing happening and they're like, oh my God, what is going to happen? Yeah. And so a whole bunch of patricians get in front of Coriolanus and protect his body. Yes. So the Aediles can't arrest him. Yeah, this is this is in Plutarch as well. Um, that Yeah, the basically in Plutarch, they, they basically call him out and say, you need to answer. And he basically drives off and goes, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and I'm then, gonna hop on my chariot and yeah. ride out of here. <laughs> that's what I think of you. And uh, and that's when they go and physically try and they get try to him. Yeah, yeah, they try to physically restrain him, and yeah. he's just he manages to rustle up enough support to. So that's impossible and in that is, moment. To me, this is just so bizarre. This like this idea of you know <laughs> people rocking up to 
to basically make him come and answer for his crimes. I'm using my flesh rabbits. Um, and then the patrician standing there going, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> I don't think so. What crimes? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Being a patrician, that's not a crime. <laughs> I he's... pride myself on that above all things. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so this leads to some issues. So it's kind of like, you know, like next day, what are, what are we going to do? Because, yeah. like, that's kind of headed things off of the past for now. But, um, yeah, the people are obviously still unsatisfied. The people are very unsatisfied. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's sort of played out in front of them where they've seen the Adols go to sort of arrest him and then that fails. Yeah. And they're like, okay, so the power of the people here is is inadequate to yes. counteract what is going on with this guy. Yeah, well, in, in my in Plutarch's account, he mentions that the Senate are getting kind of scared and, yeah. and the consuls are scared by this whole situation. And Livy, interestingly, says that it's around this sort of time... I mean, I'd say it's kind of hard because Livy's account is so truncated, but he does um, he does sort of refer to the fact that the patricians actually feel the need for a sacrificial lamb. Mm. And they sort of decide that Coriolanus might have to be it. Um, because he's because he's, oh, we thought uh, you were talking about an actual sacrificial. No, no, no. <laughs> was that like, could happen, you know. in room, but no. <laughs> As in, they they feel the need to maybe sort of maybe we'll need to you know push him off the ourselves. Rock. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, divorce ourselves from this guy because he's just too extreme. I mean, yeah. Especially, I don't. Again, I don't know if Dionysius mentions this, but Plutarch sort of refers to the fact that um, a lot of younger patricians have sort of um, attached themselves to Coriolanus, mm. and they seem to be making they seem to be sort of egging him on yeah um, he does seem to have like a loyal following of yes. like quite young chaps as yeah. it were yeah yeah he sort of encouraged his his worst feelings as far as <laughs> Plutarch's concerned I mean Plutarch basically says you know although Coriolanus has all these virtues and he you know he prides himself on you know being the best general and being a great soldier and blah 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 he doesn't value being sort of mild being moderate and being having that sort of gravity which is necessary if you want to be a statesman, not just a, you know, a general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he yeah, so he's got this sort of character flaw, if you like, built yes. into him, which is yeah. is definitely gonna start working against him. I more definitely and more. see some Star Wars now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anakin. Yeah. Um, the tragedy. Yeah. Um, so we get to like the next day and according to Dionysius, um, yes. the tribunes meet um, and they have a sort of a public consultation with the people. Mm-hmm. And while this is going on, the Senate is actually having their own private meeting where they're trying to figure out how they're going to respond. Yeah, yeah. Because um, this situation is clearly still playing out. And they're like, what do we do? What what should our position be? Yeah. Um, are we with Coriolanus or are we not? We need to figure this out. Yeah, definitely. And while this is happening, um, we have one Manukius. One of the older consuls, mm, he comes forward to speak. I feel like we've speak. heard his name before. Yeah, I don't think he's consul of this year, but no. I think he's one of the. He's yeah. like he's one of these like grand old, you know, the wise man yes. sort of moments. Yes, yes. And he's like, you know, we let, let's let's speak about this issue of <laughs> Coriolanus. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you know, we need to keep in mind that. Um, the plebeians have a responsibility here as well. Mm. And he's like, and so he comes out, this is after like the Senate deliberations. And he's like, all right, let's, let's talk real time people. Mm. I'm a Senator. You're some people. Let's do this. <laughs> and he's like, you know that there's been no crops and you know that part of the reason why there's been no crops is because you didn't plant any. Yes. But wouldn't that come back to that be warfare? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And he's like, and I acknowledge yeah. that, like, the land was laid waste by ah. the enemy. Oh, good. I was going to say, that yeah. seems a bit 
unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was like, and I understand that it's also partly our fault because yeah. we were incapable of supplying you mm. um, because there were so many of you. Yep. Um, but there were no resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got this famine and it's partly your fault for not growing anything. It's mm. partly the circumstances of warfare and it's partly our fault because we couldn't help you out. Yeah. Um, so we're sorry about that. So, you know, what are we going to do? Um, now let's get that issue off the table. Yeah. Um, and he's like, now let's think about what's going on with this Coriolanus business. Yes. You know? Um, this dude, this douche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, obviously there's resentment because you tried to secede. Yes. You know, let's think about that. Yeah. And <laughs> let's unpack that. Shall yeah, we? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go a little bit more deeper into yeah. that. Why did you want to do that? And how did it make you feel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, I see how you got there, but you know, think about it from a patrician's perspective. You know, <laughs> we like having complete and utter domination. Yeah. Yeah. We feel sad when we don't. And, you know, and, and it's not like we didn't negotiate, because now you've got this tribune, and you know that's a good thing for you guys. You know, and you should hold on to that because, like, that's a positive. Yeah. Uh, you got one win. <laughs> and but eventually he gets to this point where he's like, yeah. after all of these sort of niceties, he's like, you will find that we patricians have greater reason to accuse the people than you have to blame the Senate. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold the phone. <laughs> Okay, none of this details in my account. This is pretty, pretty crazy. Mm. And he's like, look, you know, wait for it. And he's like, hold on, don't get offended just yet. Hear me out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> calm, calm, calm down, calm down. I feel like it's, I, I know that these speeches are obviously written, but I feel like that would be a highly dangerous thing to say to a violent mob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's like, look, think about how much Coriolanus has really done for you guys. Mm. You know, every time there's there's a battle, he's there. And he wins stuff, doesn't he? He wins it for you. He wins it for us. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and it's like, he loves this country. Everything mm. he does is done in the public interest. I want you to judge him on his actions, not on his words. I do have a song. <laughs> you know it's true. Everything I do. I do it for you. <laughs> Pretty much. That's, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm taking some liberal summarization yeah. of this speech because it goes for pages. What, you mean but my song wasn't a feature? <laughs> <laughs> this kind of sums it up yeah. nicely as well. Um, this is essentially what he's like, uh, saying to them. He's like, look, mm. he has done so much yeah. for this. And he's like, I don't think you want to put him to death or banish this guy from the state yeah. because he loves us and like he represents excellence in the art of war. Yeah, although you've got a lot more detail as you tend to do with Dionysius, <laughs> that's essentially the the vibe that comes through both Livia and Plutarch. And that Plutarch talks about how during the negotiation phase, while they're trying to sort of mollify the plebs, um, the the consuls make exactly that point that. You know, are you sure you want to go extreme here? Couldn't you be a little bit more moderate? Couldn't you just calm down a little bit? Um, and Plutarch actually says that apparently most of the plebeians were kind of thinking about, okay, maybe giving yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Except that the tribunes then come along and sort of oh, rouse, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. rise Wait up again. for it. Yeah, and Livy, <laughs> Livy also talks about the fact that the patricians address the plebs and beg them to let Coriolanus go. And this is really interesting. Not because he's innocent, but as a favour. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just like... Yeah. You know, this is hard times. You want a favour, we want a favour. You know, let's try and work this out. Because, um, 
we need to be kind. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the summary of this. And it's like, you know, he's essentially the point that Manukis is trying to make is that his speech mm. hasn't done any harm. Yeah. But his actions have always been in service of the state. True. So true. it's like, if we're going to judge him, let's judge him on what he has done. done yeah, not what, not what he has said. Yeah. And they're like, okay. And like, everyone's like, oh. <laughs> Oh. I never thought of it that Yeah, way. yeah. The, the, the people <laughs> hanging around are like, oh, yeah, that's that's a fair point. And then, and then we have the tribunes who have also been there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> ah, listening to this speech. <laughs> and they're like, and they see that the people are like moved to this idea of moderation. Yeah, yeah. And this idea of the, the sharing of humanity yeah. and whatnot. And they're angry. Yeah. So, so angry. Because they're, they're like, this is exactly the sort of thing that we're here for. Because you guys get duped all the time. Yeah. And we are not going to let that happen to you this well, time. I mean, at this at this point, at least in my both of my accounts, Coriolanus has yet to actually show up Mm-mm. on his own behalf. Oh, yeah. He's Coriolanus, still just, yeah. like, not, not caring. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> so, at this point, it, as far as I can discern from this narrative take, yeah. uh, Coriolanus is present. And he's sort of standing around looking very sort of, like you know, play the good guy, um, be silent. And so he's ah, present at this okay, well, see, because th- things are about to unfold where he does say something. So this is interesting because in both of my accounts, I, I, I think this is meant to be around the same as yours. Um, mm. Coriolanus, one of the reasons I think why the plebeians get um, remain unhappy with Coriolanus is because he doesn't show up, oh. um, at least in Livy's sort of account. Um, whereas in Plutarch's account, at this particular point... Um, he doesn't seem to be there, or if he is, it's not really clear because the tribunes basically say, um, whoa, 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 look, this guy has to answer for his charges, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, And they basically say, they dwell on these sorts of things. Could he deny that he had instigated the Senate, sorry, instigated the Senate to violate the Constitution and abrogate the powers of the people? When summoned to appear before them, had he not refused? And finally, by insulting and beating the Adels in the forum, had he not done all in his power to incite the citizens to arms and bring about a civil war? Mm. And and so they're basically and all of this, yeah, all of this sounds like he's not there. It does a little bit, yeah. I mean, yeah. he does. He, you're right. He does show up um, eventually. Well, but, I yeah. wonder because, like, from the way that um, Dionysus's narrative unfolds, it seems like he was standing around the whole time mm. while all of while Manukius is speaking, because we have. Gaius Sicinius Belutus, so yes. Sicinius, yeah. this, one of these tribunes, yeah. who is just like not having this. Yeah, yeah. And he's like no, um, and he's characterized by Dionysius as a most bitter foe of the aristocracy, <laughs> um, partly because he can see that if this plays out the way he thinks it's going to play out, yeah. the plebs are going to lose the tribunes mm. and his own power base yeah. is going to be gone. So point. he's got some personal yeah. grievance here because one, he wants to stay tribune because it's his only way into political power. Yeah. Um, but also he's angry on behalf of the people Yes, because um, he can see how the same sort of coercive... Um, kindly deception is going to play against the people in the long term. Mm. So he's like, he gets up. Um, he's like, you know, let me speak on behalf of the people. <laughs> let me respond to this. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, look, thank you, uh, you know, Consul, for all of your, your words, all of, like, your kindnesses. Mm. Um, and, you know, for actually speaking to us. Um <laughs> 
you know, on our level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than despising us for our lowliness, yeah, yeah. Um, that's we appreciate that. Mm. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, we need to think about this idea of like actions and and words, don't mm. we? And then he turns to Coriolanus, who's standing near the consuls, mm. and he's like, why don't you clear yourself before the citizens? In regard yeah. to what you said in the Senate. Oh, dear. <laughs> why don't you uh, tell us about the why we should offer you a milder penalty? And he's like... Ooh, should we pause yeah, there? Or should, yeah. we, should we leave it on a cliffhanger? Ooh. Will Coriolanus save himself? <laughs> what will Coriolanus say? But wait for um, So he's, he offers a, a, a few more questions here. Yeah. And he was like, you know, um, I would not advise you to deny the fact... Um, since you have a spirit above that of a man in private station. Um, he's like... I think there's no denying that Coriolanus he's is like, arrogant. <laughs> unless, yeah. indeed, it is seemly for the consuls and the patricians to intercede for you with the populace. Ooh. He's like, if you think it's okay for other people to speak on your behalf, yeah. in your defense, whatever, <laughs> to try and get you off a trial, yeah. then by all means... Stay silent. And that's exactly the kind of thing that Coriolanus <laughs> would be like, never! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, a bit of a sophisticated bait moment here. Yeah, well, Coriolanus by definitely takes the bait in my account. Yeah, well, you know, we will we will come back we will. to the bait. <laughs> Tune in in the future to hear about what Coriolanus has to say against his accusers. Will he manage to dazzle them with rhetoric, or will he condemn himself out of his own mouth? Will he become a humane person <laughs> with some consideration for his fellow man's plight, <laughs> or will he stand his ground and be like, "No, no, I'm a patrician." The ultimate in douchebaggery. <laughs> Stay tuned. Find out. Bye bye. <laughs>